Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spleichel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spleichel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is high-impact marketing strategies for the new year. Today's guest has been involved in the digital landscape since 2004, where he led digital strategies at companies including MySpace, AOL, Turn, Craft, and Disney. Today is the CEO of Social Chain, a world-leading social media and e-commerce group. A big welcome to Daniel James. Hi, Daniel. Hey, Andy. Great to be on. I appreciate you having me. You know, we're happy to have you and excited to to talk about the possibilities in the new year. And, Definitely. You know, reading your bio, wow, you have a lot of experience with some big names, including many companies that are they're no longer even around. But, Correct. Yeah. But what what has all that experience provided you with terms of knowledge for marketing today? Um, you know, I've been really lucky in my career. Like you said, I started in the digital and social space really early on. Um, you know, my space at the time was kind of new. Um, it was very young. So I think I've really benefited not just from working with the types of brands that I have and mm-hmm. now at social chain and mint performance marketing, the performance, um, agency that I run, um, it's allowed me to have the the full spectrum of startup brands and the challenges of how to go from zero to a million, as well as, you know, the bigger brands that, that you mentioned, where it's really about maintaining market share and it, it, it's smaller, smaller incremental increases in uh, market share at a much larger scale. So across, across that different spectrum, I think it's given me really broad experience of how to tackle the different challenges that brands have and really the the need for customizing your strategies and approaches and ways of thinking, depending on where the business is as a business. Right. And, and that makes sense that there's going to be different things. A startup is going to have different than mistakes and growth. And then once you're, you're one of the big companies, what exactly. um, let's start with startups. If somebody is looking to launch a, a new company in the new year, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see companies make initially with their online marketing? Yeah, I think um, from an online marketing perspective, I mean, this is assuming things like you need a product people want, right? There needs to be some differentiation or a need for it. So I think like no amount of good marketing is is gonna is gonna solve for you know a substandard product. So I think that's the first thing to kind of mention is, you know, really pay attention to to what you're looking to bring to market. I think the the other thing that we're always really focused on and with the brands that I've partnered with, like on the brand side as well as when we're looking at brands from an agency standpoint, is there's no I don't think there's like a what's the phrase a, a silver bullet, right? You know, 
Facebook ads, TikTok ads, all of these things that we have available to us from a growth marketing standpoint, that they're, they're tools to leverage at the right time. I think it's really important for brands to really focus on understanding who their target consumer is. There might be more than one target consumer group. Who is that? What does that look like? Um, and not jump into things prematurely, expecting it's going to be like an immediate unlock. Um, we look a lot around things like, what's your retention strategy? Before you start turning the taps on of paid acquisition, you don't want a leaky bucket, right? You want to make sure that you're really focusing on having everything buttoned up from a customer retention um, standpoint, your customer services on point, your landing pages are optimized. So I think building the foundation, obviously everyone wants to scale and wants to scale quickly, but do it in the right way. Having a solid foundation is super important. Um, so I think that's that's the number one advice. Like really understand what 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 is your product or brand or whatever solving. Who's your target consumer? Is it is it one demographic? What does that look like? And then make sure you have a really solid foundation for when people are coming into, you know, into your brand ecosystem. So let's let's go the other way. Let's uh, talk about some of those bigger companies like MySpace and AOL that you worked with that are that are no longer here what are some of the mistakes that they made that caused their demise and i guess what can a larger company learn from that to to not not go the way of the MySpace yeah so at MySpace and AOL what i was doing for those guys is i was working with the brands advertising on those platforms um so I've got comments on both. So I think like MySpace, you know, I joined MySpace really early on, um, really lucky to kind of join amazing company, amazing people. I think what MySpace did wrong um, in hindsight was it tried to do everything, but it's probably because it was one of the first true social media platforms, right? So um it wasn't just about facilitating social networking because you had to somewhat code your page. It was very, it was more geared towards more creator types, right? Someone who wanted to customize their page and put that effort into making their page look a certain way. There's, there's more things as well, but I think MySpace's downfall, and I don't really look at it that way, actually. I think MySpace, because I believe it's still around now, it's it's more of like a creator it's for bands, it's for artists, it's for poets and musicians and stuff like that. I think that's what it was, should have probably always have been. But because it was the first kind of like easy online social networking where you could have your friends and chat to your friends online, when Facebook came along and made that its primary thing, there was no code paid, like page coding and having to customize your page and skinning it. It was literally like, messaging online um and like this notion of like updating your status do you see what i mean so i think like facebook took the easier thing that's probably more um relevant to the mass public of just ease communication and sharing what you're doing in your life away from myspace and left myspace to be more around that kind of creators and more um more kind of like um yeah creative people Right. And yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job of what you said in the first answer, which was finding their niche and, and finding their, their, exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. I think the AOL thing is 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 probably a bit broader, to be honest with you. Um, again, like if you look at if you look at AOL, I think it's a lack of innovation towards where the industry is moving. But then it's it's hard because a company like that was one of the first. So when you're one of the first to offer certain things that AOL was offering, to keep up with the evolution when other people are coming in and taking aspects of what you do and and niching down on that and making that more applicable. Do you see what I mean? I think that that becomes challenging when you're at the size that AOL was at. They got stuck in the mud. Exactly. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about social media. I mean, you brought up MySpace. I mean, those younger listeners, they they might not even know who, what MySpace is unless they're in a <laughs> band. Um, but what do you think companies and how how should they be thinking about social media today and in the future? How should that be a part of their marketing strategy? Yeah, it's a and and just to speak of the trend of it, if you don't mind, because. When I started Mint, um, our performance agency for e-commerce brands about four, three and a half, four years ago, um, you know, you looked at Instagram and Facebook at the time, organic reach was still strong. You could, you could use it as a, it was still a, an applicable platform for discovery and you could grow those channels quite well by putting out good content and, and everything else. And obviously we've seen the trend of organic reach especially on those platforms, dwindling over years. We know why it, incre- it encourages people to pay to, to reach their target audience. TikTok will go the same way. So I think like TikTok, it's such an opportunity now still, but we will see organic reach on TikTok start to decline um, this year and for sure going into next year because um, they want to encourage those ad dollars. So what we saw with that is I think brands started to deprioritize organic social media because you had to start running advertising to reach your target audience. Um, So organic social and paid social, I mean, they're very different, but they should be thought of as, as one thing. Um, I think the popularity now of organic social is, is kind of coming back. And I think it's really important when you look at the overall digital and social strategies of a brand, because, you know, if I'm a consumer online, if I see an ad, I'm probably going to check out your organic social. I want to know what the brand's about. I want to know why it's different. Do I want to be part of the, the brand and the community that they're building? Um, so I think for me, the the real the the future of social um is making sure that you're not thinking of those things separately. Um, organic social shouldn't be looked at as maybe a revenue driver, but it's a community builder. It's part of a consumer's journey of discovery, of validation around whether your brand is something they want to be a part of. Um, And if you look at the way these social media platforms are going, they're all being built on the back of creators, right? So what does that tell me as a marketer um, when I'm working with brands is the real unlock there to bring people into your brand ecosystem, grow your social media presence, um, really is about tapping into and working with creators because when organic reach is dwindling, you have to have things driving traffic to to the awareness of your brand. Do you see what I mean? Um, you know, that's, a, think- that's a, a really interesting answer. I have had a lot of Facebook people on that that run ads and they don't even ever mention the organic there that yours is a 
a much more holistic approach with filling out both the organic and, and the paid. Yeah. And, and I think it has to be, you know, we, we take the approach at, at Mint and, and um, Social Chain as well. You know, as, as, as growth marketers, as performance marketers, or just as marketers in general, we, we, we tend to, I think we, as an industry, we tend to have a habit of thinking of things in silos because there are specialized fields. If I'm a paid ads person, I think about ads. If I'm an email person, I think about email. If I'm an mm-hmm. influencer, consumers don't think of it that way. The consumer journey doesn't follow a linear path of what we might like to think they follow. Um, so I think it's really important to think about how all these things work in tandem. Um, you know, there's some stats out there. The average person is looking at five different social networks um, and maybe 15 websites a day. Something like that might have changed. Your touch points have to be consistent. Each of those touch points is either going to compel someone to engage with your brand or potentially not engage with your brand. I think organic social is a really big part of that. Um, And I think, you know, social is where a lot of the attention is. It's where discovery happens. It's where validation happens. So to only think about ads and not think about organic and not think about how those two things interplay, I think is, is somewhat missing the trick. Um, tactically they're different, but how you think about performance and growth marketing through a digital social lens, um, I don't think you can be deprioritizing or uncoupling them to such a degree. Yeah, no, that's a a great point. Now I know we had talked that there is no silver bullet, but, (laughs) but always the, but, but, uh, what, what are some actionable steps that you would recommend to a listener? in terms of marketing their company, if they want to make this their best year ever? Again, it depends on the stage of the brand, but let, let's, let's take, let's take a brand who is, you know, they're, they've established some product market fit. They're getting revenue. They're looking to scale. Um, I think the, the most important thing to, to really pay attention to is, is actually the backend metrics, right? Your, your CAC to LTV. We know that the cost of acquiring a customer is increasing across these platforms. Um, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk doom and gloom, but macroeconomic pressures from a consumer perspective is you're going to have to earn the loyalty and the trust of your customers. Even more people are going to shop around. They're going to want to make sure that value exchange is really high. So I think first and foremost is having a really solid understanding of where do you sit on that? Like, what is your current CAC to LTV? Like, what do you need to, what do you need to do to improve that? That sets the tone for how much you can push in terms of potentially scaling your paid media um, based on your your current customer acquisition cost against your LTV. Um, I would also say, you know, what we're seeing a lot of is um, channel diversification. Most of our brands are still heavily weighted towards meta from an advertising perspective. You know, we spend a lot on TikTok, um, but testing different platforms, um, measuring the ROI, being in those um, environments where your potential target consumers are engaging, I think is important. Um, And I think like, you know, TikTok, yes, meta, yes. But again, I think I can't stress the importance of your retention strategies, right? So do you think that increasing the customer lifetime value is more important than working on 
acquiring new customers? I would probably go so far as to say it's, if it's not more important, it's definitely as equally as important. And, and obviously that's, you know, I think the reason for that is especially when you scale, if you're, if, if you're, if you're losing and not increasing the LTV of the customers you're acquiring, you're, you're on a race to the bottom, right? Because you, your customer acquisition costs typically don't go down as you scale. Um, they typically go up. Um, you know, they should be in a range of what still makes sense for the business if you're doing it right, but they typically go up as you scale. So that you can only sustain that for so long, unless you're a single product, you know, brand, which um, that's a whole different, that's a whole different challenge. But if you're not, and most brands aren't, um, if, if you're, if you're constantly losing the customers and not increasing that LTV, that's a really tricky place to be. So I would say, you know, as you're scaling, don't just focus on scaling ad spend, scaling, scaling customer acquisition, your, your LTV, your repeat customer rate needs to be increasing or matching that to allow you to keep scaling, um, on the acquisition side. Yeah, that's a great advice. I forget what I read, but I believe the companies on average spend, um, one-tenth to, uh, 7% is much on customer retention as they do on customer acquisition. Yeah. So bringing that up to, to even is, I mean, that's, that's some great advice for the new year. hundred percent. Now, if you had a crystal ball and I know you didn't want to do any doom and gloom, but, but where do you see this next 12 to 18 months going for e-commerce? I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on it. Um, and, and maybe that's because, you know, I've been in the industry since 2004 and I've, I've seen the ups, the downs. I, I think, though, for e-commerce, um, listen, we all know the challenges, um, but I still think there is a ton of opportunity. Um, you look at like every composition of what supports e-commerce, supply side, um, the marketing side. I think it's going to take some shrewd operators. I think there will obviously be some casualties, but I think that's that's always the case. The shrewd operators, you know, succeed. And, and unfortunately there's some casualties who, who won't, I, I don't share the same consensus that some share of like meta doesn't work anymore. TikTok doesn't work for my brand. I, I, I think there is still enough opportunity out there. Um, you know, when we look at the, the macroeconomic, yes, there's recession fears, inflation. Again, if I'm getting my data points, right there's some maybe positives happening or some less than the worst case scenario trends happening. So I think brands need to be cautious about making sure they're not pushing too hard in an unprofitable place. Um, but I still think there's a lot of opportunity for for the right brands who are doing the right things to see real good success. And I think e-commerce, it's not going to go away. It, it's only going to increase. I think we were all, you know, we we look at it as a downward trend since the year of the pandemic, where we had this big e-commerce boom. But really, if you if you take out the boom, it's still an upward trend as a percentage of overall retail. So yeah, right, it's just uh, you know, not not at the same level as exactly twenty twenty. Hey, what's up there? This is Andy. I wanted to take a quick break from the show and talk to you for just one minute. You probably know that I've been called the world's foremost expert in e-commerce growth strategies. But have you ever wondered how I gained all this knowledge? 
First, you probably guessed it. It's through all the years of interviews I've done with experts and uber successful throughout the e-commerce space right here on the Make Each Click Count podcast. And second, it's through all the courses that are available at Make Each Click Count University. From Facebook to Google Ads to Pinterest to SEO, if you are looking to grow your business by either adding a new marketing channel or by optimizing an existing marketing channel like an expert, go to www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com forward slash classes. There you will find a course that will help you become an expert in whatever marketing channel you currently need help. Better yet, choose more than one. Join Make Each Click Count University and join me and other marketing professionals live once a month at our monthly marketing members-only meeting. Again, you can view all courses at www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com forward slash classes. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, let's let's switch again and, and talk about you and your journey. Have there been any business books out there that you could attribute to your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh, I'm a, I'm a huge... I'm a huge book nerd. Um, I I think Good to Great um, is one of the best the business Collins? books. Yes, Jim Collins. Um, I believe it's in Jim Collins. I read so many. Sometimes I get confused. So I hope this is the right reference point. But there's a there's a there's a real from a business perspective, like an equation he uses there of um, a, around ethic of entrepreneurship, um, culture of discipline, ethic of entrepreneurship, which I just think that to me really stuck out as the way I want to build my businesses. Um, it's about being structured from an operational standpoint and having discipline around how we do what we do, but never losing that ethic of entrepreneurship of, you know, like creativity, pushing the boundaries, testing things, thinking outside the box to, to use that cliche term. Um, so I think good to great Jim Collins is, is an amazing one. I actually read a lot of um, as well as business book psychology. Um, I'm really big into that. I think, I think marketing, um, rightly so it's a lot of data. It's a lot of stuff, but I think the real unlock is consumer psychology and, and knowing how to, you know, elicit a response from consumers in the right way. So psychology is also a big area that I have always been super interested in. Um, and I read a lot of books around that as well. Now, today you are at Social Chain. What what services do you offer clients there to, to increase their, their sales? So I'm actually, so I'm CEO of um, Social, Social Chain US, um, but Mint Performance Marketing is the performance agency that I started and Social Chain um, invested in us. So I run both in the US, but um, Social Chain is a partner agency. But so across Social Chain and Mint, Mint focuses um, really on social-first brand performance marketing. So we work exclusively exclusively with e-commerce brands, mm -hmm. a lot in the fashion vertical, beauty, health and wellness. Um, and our real focus is, is driving scalable acquisition and retention. So we cover influencer marketing, creator marketing, um, paid social, paid search, um, and then we have email, SMS, and retention services, and a lot of um, we do a lot of landing pages, so conversion rate optimization. Where Social Chain is an agency um, focus, and where we partner with them is that's far more around organic social community building, community development. It's more of that organic presence and and social creative, um, which again 
we think of those two things as very interlinked. Um, so social chain work with a wider range of brands who are looking to maximize their social media presence and grow that community and develop that community. Um, Mint focuses more so on that full service growth marketing for e-commerce brands. Well, let's talk more about Mint then, Mint Performance Marketing, since that's more of the listener base. And they're always interested, but do you have a favorite success story of a client with Mint that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, I um, I do. I mean, we, we, we have quite a few. We're, we're, we're lucky with the clients we've worked with. Um, there's, there's one particular success story we were working with. Um, it's a high, a higher average order, um, homeware. So outdoor furniture, indoor furniture, homeware, appliances, all that sorts of stuff. And, and it was a much higher average order value brand. And the owner, who's a good friend of mine, Michael, you know, he tried different agencies. Um, and it was like, look, everyone's telling me these AOVs, they're not going to sell. They're not going to sell through social. So like, what do I do? How do I scale this brand? Like, do I just need to go into traditional retail or marketplaces? Um, and we kind of audited everything he'd be doing. Well, what was their doing. average order value? I mean, what are we talking? Like $500 plus. Okay. Um, and actually we increased that to over a thousand dollars. Um, Basically, he was like he'd been he'd, he'd never seen success. And we partnered with him after doing an audit. We felt really confident that we would be able to help him scale. So we partnered with him on organic social influencers, paid social, Google, email, SMS and, and landing page optimization um, and built out a year long strategy for him. So our, our approach is far more integrated um, than just channel specific service providing, if that makes sense. So we really analyzed the business, historical trends, built out a year-long plan. Um, and I think the year before they'd done about 350,000 in total Shopify sales. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year they worked with us, they did just under 14 million. Um, and I just, wow. I love, I love that for a many reasons. One, because Michael is a phenomenal guy and I love the fact that we were able to help him grow his his business and his brand. Two, that other people had kind of said, this is going to be really challenging. We can't do it, had tried and couldn't do it. So there's a bit of that involved as well. Um, but just that level of growth, profitable growth um, and the real team effort. So as an agency, we mainly work with brands across that that the full kind of like full service so to see how all of that came together to work really in tandem to drive that level of scale was to me super impressive now we we talked about that um your clients who is the perfect client for your agency who if they're out there listening should consider picking up the phone after this yeah so this episode so Obviously, e-commerce um, is our game, which I think is is relevant to the listeners. We have we have two two kind of teams within the agency that that follow very similar kind of processes and structures. But as I mentioned, we really understand and have therefore structured our team to provide growth service services relevant to the the stage your brand is at. So we have an incubate team which is for brands doing around 50,000 a month in Shopify revenue. Um, So they're maybe earlier on in their journey. Um, 
But if you're doing about $50,000 a month in Shopify revenue and you're looking for a growth partner, um, our incubate team um, are trained in, have playbooks around and lots of success of scaling a brand at that level. And then we have an accelerate um, team as well. So that's for brands doing north of 200,000 a month in Shopify revenue. That's where you're you're a bit further down the path. You're looking to really scale. Um, and so we have those two different teams. So really, if you're above the 50,000, um, we have we have teams who are um, available to help you get to the next level. And you'll work with exclusively people driving to their own website, no Amazon, but is it Shopify specific or not? It is Shopify specific. Um, we don't so have an so Amazon. e-commerce and Shopify. Yeah. E-commerce and Shopify. We've, we've built our whole tech stack around, I'm a big believer in Shopify, a huge fan of what they're building. I think it's, it's the platform to be on. Um, I think most e-commerce brands or newer e-commerce brands are on Shopify. I know there's other platforms, um, but yes, Shopify, um, we don't do Amazon as an in-house service. There's great Amazon teams, but what we do because we are that integrated growth partner is we're looking at your business holistically because there's obviously halo effects to what you do um, from a direct to consumer or Shopify standpoint that are going to aid in the overall brand growth, right? So whilst we might not be running those channels, um, we we look at the business holistically in terms of how is it growing to make sure that we're bringing the right strategies and execution to the table. Great. And how can an interested listener learn more about working with you? So you can head over to the website, which is mint-performancemarketing.com. Um, tells you a bit more about what we do, clients that we work with. And obviously there's a, there's a hit us up um, button there, which will get through to one of our growth team leads. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Daniel James on LinkedIn, um, and I'm also on Twitter, not, not the best, uh, personal branding Twitter handle, unfortunately, but it's foodog, F-O-O-D-O-G 85. Perfect. Well, this has been great. Is there anything else you would like to, um, add before we wrap it up today? No, just really appreciate, uh, you having me on Andy. Um, always love chatting about the things we're up to in the e-commerce space. So yeah, hope, hopefully some value to the listeners and thanks again for having me on. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Of course. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information on Mint Performance Marketing, Social Chain, or connecting with Daniel, you'll find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resources that are available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all the different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any of the services discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast.
The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing. 